It's Wednesday, August 18th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. With me today, Alicia Alfieri. Thanks for being here. So glad to be here, Chris. We've got one restaurant and two retailers to talk about today. We're going to start with Target. Second quarter profits and revenue came in higher than expected. Same store sales were up nearly 9%, and they raised full year guidance. And you would think all of those together would be pushing the stock up, but the stock you know, earlier this month hit an all-time high, so it's not falling precipitously. It's down one percent or so. But this, this seemed like um, I don't want to say nothing but good things, but it seemed like almost entirely good things for Target. Yeah, agreed. There were a lot of good things uh, from Target's report. So, as you said, second quarter comparable. Comparable sales were up 8.9% year over year, and that's on top of their record growth of over 24% in the second quarter of 2020. Uh, this means that the second quarter total sales have expanded over 36% over the last two years. So, pretty incredible here. Um, the number one interesting trend that I want to talk about is that people are coming back to the stores, right? So, as COVID, uh, COVID restrictions eased, Target saw customers returning to their store. They said in droves. And the majority of their second quarter growth was driven by their stores channel. This segment grew 8.9% on top of 10.9% growth from last year. Um, and also proving that people are headed back to the store, the digital channel's share of total sales fell a bit uh, from 17.2% last year to about 17% uh, this year. So, so a bit of a change there, um, but it's still massively larger than the 7.3% from 2019. Um, but, but as I said, Customers coming back to the store, um, increasing their traffic. So traffic was up 12.7% in the second quarter. But at the same time, as we're going to target more, uh, average uh, spending per trip was down a little bit. So it's about 3.4% decline in average ticket. But don't fret, the company reports that they've seen uh, double digit increases in their traffic and ticket uh, from 2019. So they're, they're doing pretty well here. They really are, and you know, I mentioned the stock was recently at an all-time high. It's um, it doesn't appear to be an expensive stock, and and certainly management doesn't think so because part of the report was the announcement of a fifteen billion dollar share buyback plan, and just like um, yesterday, uh, what we heard out of Walmart with regards to back to school shopping, we heard similar things today out of Brian Cornell and his team. It sounds like. Back to school is off to a strong start. He was even talking about Halloween, which is you know one of those things that, uh, as a shareholder, I'm happy about. As as someone who doesn't like uh, holidays, you know, getting ahead of themselves, it bothers me a little bit. But I'm going to put that aside because <laughs> it you know it's it's smart for their business to to do that. But it yeah it it really seems like they are doing all the right things. The the buyback plan I found a little interesting just because. Part of what Cornell and his team have done over the last five years is they've made a lot of their own investments. Um, it's it's rare that the headline is oh they're spending fifteen billion on stock. It's it's more often that we get they're investing in their apparel brands and that sort of thing. So I it, I don't want to second guess Cornell because his track record is amazing, but uh, it was just it was just one of those things that struck me. 
Yeah, and I'm excited to see where it goes from here. I think there are other things to to look forward to with Target. I think specifically, um, they're going to be launching, or actually, they launched this month their partnership with with Ulta, right? Which is supposed to take their their beauty part of their store to the next chapter, to the next level. So it's another thing uh, to be aware of. Also, in terms of of conscious capitalism, I saw that in the fall, Target is is starting their debt free education assistance programs for full-time and part-time uh, U.S.-based employees, right? So so a lot of really interesting programs that they're starting and things to look forward to. Like Home Depot yesterday, Lowe's second quarter profits came in higher than expected. Same store sales were down slightly, but uh, just like we talked about with Target, that's off of a huge increase in comps a year ago. Um, and it wasn't even as bad as feared. Like there was a, the expectation of a drop, but it wasn't as big a drop as Wall Street was expecting. And shares are up 10% today. I, I will point out that they were down about 5% yesterday in sympathy with um, what was happening with Home Depot stock. But, um, but yeah, a, a good day for Lowe's. Yeah, and maybe it's about beating those expectations, right? And and we know that 2020 results, especially in this sector, were, were buoyed by by COVID. Uh, last year in the second quarter, Lowe's saw sales growth of about 34% a year over year. This means that that businesses like Lowe's, Home Depot, you know, they had these really difficult year over year comps, as you said, uh, for Lowe's. Comparable sales were down 1.6% year over year from that mega growth. Um, and when that's the case, I, I would invite investors to take a, a broader look at the at the time horizon. If we look at sales growth against second quarter 2019, we could see second quarter 2021 comparable sales are up about 32%. Um, Again, we did see that year-over-year -year decline, and the big trend driving this decline was the shift in the do-it-yourself trends, right? Uh, the company reported that after Memorial Day, they saw a pivot in those really high uh, customer behaviors during the pandemic. Um, but they've been doing really well with their pro segment, uh, which is their small and medium business owner um, who frequently shops at, at Lowe's. And this group has been increasing their spend with the company, uh, reporting a 21 percent growth in their pro segment uh, year over year and a 49 percent growth uh, since 2019 which easily outpaces uh, that growth in in 2019 um, some other really interesting trends that that we saw in the Lowe's report are that the installation services those grew 10 percent year over year so Lowe's is expecting this area is going to continue to play an important role for them as customers continue to look to them as Kind of like an end-to-end -end service, um, so that'll be important uh, to look at going forward. Also, they have their their omni-channel uh, offering, so customers can shop however, wherever, whenever they want, and it's been working. Um, sales on Lowe's.com grew seven percent year over year. That's on top of one hundred and thirty-five percent growth in twenty twenty. So pretty impressive here. Yeah, and and a lot of. Um... And this is the case for retail in general, but it certainly seems to be the case for businesses like Home Depot and Lowe's. Um, a lot of this comes down to logistics. Uh, a lot of these items are huge. And so it's interesting to me that Lowe's and Home Depot have taken this approach of basically saying, we're not going to stock everything in the store. Yes, we have really big stores. We're not stocking everything here. So there are things that you can 
look to buy from Lowe's and they'll just, you know, you can be in a Lowe's. I've had the experience of being in a Lowe's looking for a particular item. They're like, oh, you can get that on our website. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things where the, the omni-channel investments might not be the sexiest thing in the world, um, but those are the types of investments that can really pay off if you do them right. And it's, I have to say, it's great to see that Lowe's is taking what has worked for so many years for Home Depot and really making that work for them. And, you know, everything you were saying about sort of their, the way that they serve professional contractors um, and increasing that business. Yeah, definitely. And I just want to make a point to the the omni channel. I think I think it is I think it is kind of sexy. I think a lot of companies are are doing it and and they're benefiting from it. Uh so so I dispute your claim. Um but also to your point that Lowe's doesn't necessarily have those things in stock. They made a point of mentioning in their earnings call uh, that they're transforming and modernizing their supply chain, which aims to replace their legacy store model where they had a lot of those those big ticket items in stock and instead transitioning to what they're calling a more customer-focused model where you could order those things online and they bypass the store completely and go right to your house. So, Really smart. It's great to see. And, and not surprising with, uh, with Ellison and the job he's done as CEO the past few years. Krispy Kreme issued its first quarterly report as a newly public company I think it's fair to say the results were mixed. The revenue was a little higher than expected. The adjusted profits were a little lower. Anything in particular stand out to you in, in Krispy Kreme's? This is a stock that, since it went public in July, has sort of steadily gone down. And there was nothing so good in this report that is, is pushing the stock up today. Yeah, I found some interesting trends in the in the report. So, it's their first earnings report since their return to the public market. And according to the company, it was actually one of the strongest quarters in their 84-year history. So, well done you, Krispy Kreme. Um, so, what have they been doing since uh, 2016? They've invested in that omni-channel strategy. That's so sexy, Chris. <laughs> so, their omni-channel strategy to reach customers where they are uh, through what they're calling a hub-and-spoke distribution, uh, which has their what they call their hot light theater shops and their donut factories acting as a centralized hub. And then their spokes are these smaller donors donut shops and kiosks and their delivery uh, sorry they're delivered fresh daily products which you find in grocery stores and convenience stores they've also expanded internationally and they've seen some significant growth in the US um, the company reports that they now control 48 of the 50 top markets um, so according to the report uh, the net revenues grew 43% year over year now when we take away the impact of a lot of the franchi- uh, franchisee acquisitions Krispy Kreme has made over the last year we get down to their organic revenues um, and organic revenues increased about 23% year over year which as I said before represents one of their best quarters on records. This is, again, driven by that omni-channel strategy and their ability to reach their customers. And by the way, this marks an improvement from the 6.7% decline that they saw in the second quarter of 2020. This was largely driven by a lot of the impacts from from COVID. I think about 30% of their shops were closed globally as a result of of COVID. Um, As you said, the 
they're still reporting losses. Net losses were about 15 million in the quarter, uh, while net losses last year were about uh, 11.7 million. They did say that these quarterly losses were driven uh, by IPO costs, uh, related party interest expenses, and incremental tax expenses. Um, but they are expecting to see adjusted net income growth uh, over the the full year. I think they're they're estimating about 62 to 68 million for the full year guide. And so we'll see how it goes, how this omni-channel approach works. Yeah, I'm a little more skeptical on omni-channel donuts than I am about <laughs> um, you know building supplies and that sort of thing. Also, did, I, I, I may have misread this, but I thought I read somewhere that they're paying a quarterly dividend. And if that's true, that's insane to me. Like. I, 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 while I raised an eyebrow at Target with their $15 billion buyback plan, I give Brian Cornell a pass because of everything he has done running that company. When we yeah. talk about capital allocation strategies, Krispy Kreme coming out of the gates and saying, here's a tiny little quarterly dividend we're going to pay, that makes no sense to me. Yeah, so you know, good good eyes. So they they had said that in in accordance with their dividend policy, uh, they're expecting a, a cash dividend of uh, about three cents per share in the quarter ending uh, October. So, you know, it's an interesting strategy. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how it works. You're being really nice to call that strategy interesting. I, just, I yeah, I'm. Uh, that just seems like for everything going on with that, for all of the headwinds that Krispy Kreme is facing, that seems like a really odd choice in terms of capital allocation. Agreed. They should probably uh, look more toward that omni-channel approach, reaching customers, trying to increase frequency. Um, I don't know if I would appreciate an increased frequency in my own donut consumption, uh, but it would definitely help their results. I mean, they, you know, they make great donuts, but, uh, you know, then you have to deal with the aftermath of, you know, wolfing down several donuts in my case. Alicia Alfieri, great talking to you as always. Thanks for being here. Wonderful to be here, Chris. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>